kicking off a new three-part series on money. Yes. So there's like not a whole lot of amens when you're like, money. Amen. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. Like Jesus talked a lot about money. And um, it's funny that when we, when we kind of, we come to church and we talk about money, like it's, there's this sort of like vibe in the air. I was like, oh, great, you know. Um, but my hope is that by the end of this series, you'll have the tools that you need to get your financial house in order. How many here have a great financial house that's all in order? Uh, Hudson, okay, who, who has no bills. His financial house is in order. Lauren's house is in order. She's spot on. I'm telling you, she's, it's, everything's looking great, right? And so what we want is we want to have our financial house in order. We want to experience peace. Like, how many of you, when you think about money, a sense of peace comes over you? <laughs> Most people, when they think about money, it's almost like, money, you know? And uh, we want you to experience peace. We want you to experience growth in your finances. So we want to be able to help you with that. Uh, in fact, uh, in a few weeks, we'll be talking, Eric has volunteered to open up his home for all of you to come and invade his space, his introverted space, for all of you to come, go up in his bedroom, um, <laughs> not just kidding, not the bedroom part, uh, to, uh, to go through the Financial Peace University uh, video series. And so we'll have a little bit more information about that for you next week. So those of you who are like, yeah, I'd like to, some concentrated uh, teaching on this for a few weeks to help get my van, help get out of debt, get my financial house in order. And uh, so he has volunteered to do that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But we want you to be uh, financially fit, financially strong, right? And so uh, I remember there was a time in my life when my thoughts concerning money were less than productive. And probably, probably, unless, unless you are an exceptional human being, you probably had some very unproductive thoughts about finances in your life at one time or another. And um, I thought that money had a lot to do with luck, right? That people who had a lot of money were lucky. Those guys are so lucky. Am I the only one who thought that? Anybody else ever think that? People who have a lot of money have it because they're lucky, you know. And so I thought luck. And um, my mom used to use this phrase when I was a kid, when I would ask if we could get something. You know, I'm a little kid. I'm like, Mom, can we get, you know, and it's something expensive. Back in the day, those of you 80s folks, can we get an Atari? I want an Atari. Yes, Atari 2600 was like $300, right, for this little thing that you can buy for $25 now on the end caps. And so, like, and, I was, I, you know, and she would say things like this. She'd say, when my ship comes in, when my ship comes in, we'll get that, right? And what that meant was, you know, when she got lucky, when, when something happened where, oh, you know, she, she got this job promotion or won the lottery, I don't know, you know, but when her ship sailed in, and so I always thought, one day maybe my ship will sail in. And so money had a lot to do with luck, and maybe one day my ship would sail in, I would get lucky. And when I had money, my mind and my thoughts would immediately go towards how I would spend it. Like even when I was little, when I was like, you know, 10 years old, and somebody said, I got a chore for you, I'll pay you $5 to do this chore. And immediately my thought went to, how many comic books could I buy for $5, you know, as a little kid? And so that was sort of my thought. 
It's like I thought money had to do with luck. And when my luck turned and I got money, immediately I thought about how I could spend it and what it would go towards. And uh, after all, you know, because I never knew when money would come in, I thought, I've got to treat myself. So when money came in, my thought was, how could I treat myself? I deserve it. Uh, and I didn't know if I'd ever get the opportunity again. And so money had, had ideas like it was like that. It was like luck and treat myself and what, you know, how, what would I spend it on? And I remember, and I, some of you guys have heard this story before, but way back when Wendy and I first got married, um, I saw, I, I was working at a TV station, and so I basically had to watch a lot of TV because I worked in this master control area where I switched commercials, you know, switched the tapes, ran the next episode of Gomer Pyle, and uh, it was this teeny little UHF station. If you've ever seen the movie UHF with Weird Al Yankovic, it was kind of like that, and uh, except for we didn't, we didn't have Stanley Spadowski, so, but, uh, and I remember sitting there one day, and this, the com- this commercial came on, and it was... It was all this, make money from home, you know, and the music in the background was very kind of driving music, dun, 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 make money from home, quit your job, you know, all this stuff. And I thought, that's it. That's it. And I thought, my ship has sailed in. And all you have to do is go over to the Doubletree Hotel on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock for this presentation. And so immediately I called my friend Jason, who we were the same age, and we had gotten married within just a few months of each other, had children within a few months of each other. Months of each other. And I, Jason, there's a work-from-home conference at the Doubletree Hotel. It's free. It's free. And so, like, we're going. We're going to go to this thing. And so this guy gets up there, and it's this high-energy presentation. It's like something you'd see, like, on The Simpsons, you know. Hey, everybody, let's grow for it, you know. And, uh, and so we get up there, and they're making this presentation, and they're talking about these different ways to make money from home. And you can make money. People are, you know, of course, they've got these testimonies from these total outliers. You know, people are making, you know, thousands a day, you know, opening their own travel agency, you know. And then you can just make money passively having your own 900 number. Make a recording. People call in. It costs them money. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. And I kind of got a sexy voice. And so, um, so like, you know, and all you have to do is buy this box. And this box that we have uh, contains all the information that you need to start these at-home businesses and start making money now. And I remember he, he's, the guy's talking, he's like, but only for the next 15 minutes. What? What? I only have 15 minutes to get back there to the back of the room and buy your box for $250. And so we're talking, this is like 1992, 1993. We, I mean, we're making very little money at the time. Like $250 was all that we had. And he's like, he's, and I'm like, should I do it? I'm looking at my friend Jason. You're going to do it? I don't know. Are you going to do it? And then they start playing this music really loud. Money, 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 money. And I'm like, what? So the music's playing. I'm pumped up. I'm thinking my life is going to change. I run back there and I spend 250 $250, yeah, give me the box, I've got this big old box, I'm going home in my old beater car with Jason, and Jason's got his box, and, uh, and I'm just thinking, my life is going to change, and I get home, and I open this thing, and like all the information is like, like been photocopied many times, it was super cryptic, it was like 
I don't know what, you know, all of a sudden, like the reality of like, now I have to sift through this information. I don't, I don't understand it. It's really poorly presented. Immediate regret, like just immediate regret. I, I don't know what to do. And so I called the bank the next morning and I said, put a stop on this check. That'll be $25. Okay, I don't care. Put a stop on this check. And so I called the, the, the you know, money-back guarantee line. And I talked to some lady who just, she sounded like she could, like, she was a, a high, like hired from somewhere else. Like, uh, like she didn't even really, she kind of knew what I was talking about. And, uh, and I said, I just, I want to return this box. And she said, okay. Um, what's your phone number? What's your address? Whatever. I gave her all of my information. She never sent me a return label. I never heard from them again. And if I hadn't have put a stop on that check, I never would have gotten my $250 back. It was, a, it was, it was what do they call that? Like a blab and grab. It was like a just blow in, take your money and blow out of town, go on to the next town. And, uh, but it was, it came from that mentality of, I'm in luck. My ship has sailed in. It came from a wrong uh, mental mentality about money and how I treated money. And um, it, was, uh, it was a hard lesson to learn because I lost $25, which was a lot of money. That was like a week's groceries for the two of us back in 92, you know. And so uh, it, was, it was a big regret. Um, the problem that most people have about money, the, the problem that most people have about money really has far less to do with income and far more to do with the wrong mindset concerning money. That, that's just huge. Your, what you think about money and your mindset about money is everything. And uh, tell me if any of these ideas resonate with you. See if, see if, this, if, if when you hear me say these things, uh, if they resonate. My self-worth is measured by my net worth. My self-worth is measured by my net worth. And sometimes we, we attach our self-worth to how much money we have. And if you don't believe me, go hang around with really rich people and tell me how good you feel about yourself in that moment. Tell me if there aren't moments where you try to build yourself up around them, right? And um, so we, we attach our self-worth to our net worth. Or how about this one? The church just wants our money. The church just wants our money, right? And what does that do? We, we vilify the church to appease our selfishness a lot of times, Right? A lot of times when we, when we don't want to be generous, we vilify what we don't want to be generous to. So we say things like, the church just wants our money. That's all they talk about. Well, that's not true. We haven't done a financial series in about five years, so you got it coming. So, um, <laughs> right? Um, I've been, and I've been there. I've been, you know, I went for a year or two without giving. Because, uh, because I, I use that whole vilifying thing. They just want, they've got plenty. Look what kind of car the pastor's driving. Look what kind of car the pastor's driving. Right? And so I use things like that, you know, as if like everything the pastor has is because of his job at the church. You know, it's, it's so what we vilify, right? Um, or how about this? Wealth is evil and rich people are greedy. Wealth is evil and rich people are greedy, right? That's why we use terms. We use, you know, you never, you never like see a poor person and go, filthy poor. They are filthy poor people. Filthy, stinking poor people. But we do that with rich, right? They're stinking rich. 
They're filthy rich. We never use those terms. Well, filthy middle class. Uncircumcised Philistines, you know. I, I mean, we never do that, but we do that. We vilify rich people all the time. Uh, or how about this? Have you ever done this? Have you ever been embarrassed by financial blessing? Have you ever been embarrassed? Have you ever, have you ever noticed that whenever we get something really nice, right? Get some really nice shoes, get a, some really nice clothes, or we get a really nice car or something, and we tell people about our really nice thing, what do we do? Got it on sale. We're embarrassed by our blessings, right? I got such a, I got such a deal. Nobody ever goes, paid full price for it. High five. You know, we don't do that because we get embarrassed by our blessings, don't we? Okay. And, uh, and that's a wrong mindset, you know. Um, we just feel the need to say that we went on sale. Or uh, we think to ourselves, more money would bring greater contentment. More money would bring greater security. We think that way too as well. And that's not always a healthy attitude either. Okay? We think, oh, if I only had more money, if I only had, you know, then I'd be more content, I'd be more secure. Or how about this one? People say, you have to have money to make money. You have to have money to make money. That's, that's actually false. You don't have to have money to make money. You have to have money. Actually, uh, somebody said that to me recently, and it was a guy who really just didn't ever want to work. He just he never wanted to work. Man, you got to have money to make money. I don't know. I think if you just show up at work for a week without, you know, calling in sick because you stayed up too late the night before, you might make money that way, right? Um, it's, it's a lot of times... Uh, you know, we use that as an excuse, right? So you just need two hands, and you need the willingness to grind, to keep going. But we live in a culture where we say things like grind and work hard, people get offended, right? It's like, what? No, but grind. So a wrong, a wrong mindset about money isn't doing you or your bank account any favors. <laughs> so, and actually, we'll do some fun stuff next week. We'll actually kind of go into some real practicals that, that are going to help you. But it's important in, in any teaching about money, in any that we establish a correct mindset first. You have to have a right mindset about money or no amount of, you know, working hard or financial strategy, you know, will really have any lasting positive effect because if you have the wrong mindset about money, um, you'll miss it. And so uh, we don't want to miss this part or else the other parts just won't work. So we're going to look at a scripture uh, where Jesus actually talks about money. And, uh, but let's pray first. God, we love you. We praise you. I ask God that you would help us to have your mindset when it comes to this. Um, Lord, this isn't something uh, that should be ignored. This isn't something that any of us should look at and go, that doesn't really concern me, uh, Lord, because you spoke so much about it. This was important to you, and so it should be important to us. So God, help us to um, have your thoughts and your hearts on this. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at a familiar passage of Scripture in Matthew 25, and uh, it's verses 14 through 29. It's a challenge from Jesus to be faithful with all that he's entrusted us, and, and it's a reminder that all belongs to him. It's so, so funny because it seems like a lot of times, you ever notice uh, when Jesus talks about money, we churchify it, right? 
So a lot of times what happens is because we get so, we bristle when it comes to money. We get like, oh, we shouldn't talk about money in church, you know. Don't even tell. There are some people from some generations. Oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. It's from the house that you grew up in, from the home, from maybe the culture you grew up in, that you just didn't talk about money. Yeah, right? Some, some people, I remember, like my parents hardly ever talked about money. Like the only thing that they ever talked about was make sure to save. Don't spend it all in one place. Make sure that was, that was about, that was about it. And so, and in the church that I grew up in, whenever Jesus talked about money, they would kind of uber spiritualize it and say, he's talking about your heart. He's talking about your, like even this one here, he's talking about your talents and abilities. But you know what? Jesus was a Jew. Jews know money. <laughs> Am I right, Gary? Right? Jews know money. They know money. And there's a great book, uh, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, I think his name is. He wrote a book called uh, Thou Shalt Be Rich. Yeah. Amazing stuff. They know money like crazy. And I don't, I don't say that in a, as, as like a stereotype. I'm just saying every Jew I know knows money. And, uh, and they know how to handle it well. And they're not broke. And so um, here Jesus is. And he's coming along and he says this. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone, he gave, <laughs> it's so funny, we read this and we're like, no, he's talking about your talents and abilities. He's talking about your money. <laughs> he's talking about money. Jesus, in his big long parable, okay? And he says, he gave, uh, he gave five bags of silver, about 80, this is about $82,500 in modern money, okay? He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver, about 33000 to another, and one bag of silver, about $16,500 to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, and then left on his trip. What abilities do you think Jesus was talking about here? Their ability to handle money, <laughs> okay? Dividing it according to their abilities. And uh, he said, then he left on a trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver went to work and earned two more. <laughs> I love it. He went to work. He didn't just wait. He didn't just hope to get lucky. He didn't go to the casino with it. Okay? But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give account. Give account. Master's going to call you to give account. Money is important to him, okay? And how they used his money. The servant of whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, and now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. 
But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. (sighs) Wow. That's a powerful passage. This is a powerful passage when we read it correctly, right? Let he's talk about money. So if there's one thing about money this morning that I want you to remember, it's this. It's all God's money, and he's trusting us to manage it for him. It's all God's money, and he's trusting us to manage it for him. That's so important. So naturally, we have a mindset that if we uh, went out and earned it, then whose is it? Yes, right? I went out and earned it. That's mine. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're kind of like children that way. You know, we're like children with toys. Has any of your children ever yelled mine with their toys? Really? I'm the only one? Well, I'll tell you what. That's what my children did when they were young. Did my children go out and buy those toys? They did not. They were given to them by their mother and I. So... <laughs> You know, but we like to do that. We went out and we earned it, so it's mine. And uh, that we can do whatever we want with it. And then we find ourselves, what happens? Only wanting more. And so our children are like that. You ever watch the children at Christmas time? And they tear open a toy. And it's, it's euphoric, right? They can't believe they got this toy. And how long is it before it's on the ground somewhere? And please give me another one, another present, another gift. We, we want, you know, it's only, there's only a matter of time before we're just kind of wanting more. And so we insist on acting like it's all ours. And then what happens? It disappears. It's gone. It's like vapor. You ever feel that way about your money? It's like vapor. It's just where did it all go? Right? But if it's God's money, then God has a right to it. If it's God's money, then what we do is we go, okay, God, what's on your heart? God, how do I funnel my money? How do I channel my money? How do I use this money to glorify you? And so God expects us to manage the money and possessions that he gives us and to do it well. And so the servant with five bags, what did he do? He made wise investments, right? He made wise investments. So what is an investment? What is an investment? Some people say things like, uh, you know, I bought a nice car because it's an investment. No, it's not. I mean, you know, if you ask your financial manager if it's an investment, they're going to say, no, it's an asset, but it's not a, an investment. People say, well, I bought this house because it's an investment. No, it's not. It's an asset, but it's not an investment. You know, and so what is an investment? An investment is something that brings a good return. That's an investment. So it's something that brings a good return. So some people say things like, you know what? We couldn't afford to, but <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't use like mocking voice, right? <laughs> you know what? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a bad thing. Uh, I'm going to do it anyway. You know what? <laughs> we couldn't afford to, but we took a trip to Vegas to invest in our marriage. Anybody hear that? Has anybody ever said that? Maybe not to Vegas, but maybe to, you know, somewhere else, maybe to Florida. Maybe we took it this because this is an investment. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. Um, 
<laughs> okay? Because you can invest in your marriage in creative ways for free. You can take a picnic and invest in your marriage, right? You can take a class together for a couple dollars and invest in your marriage. You don't need to take a trip away where you spend thousands of dollars to invest in your fill-in-the-blank, okay? And so it's not. Um, or, or somebody, who I mentioned that with the cars, they get a $20,000 car to get back and to work and back and forth because it's an investment. Um, but, you know, a $1,500 car probably would have done just as well to get you across town, right? And so that's, that's, that was an investment. No, it's not an investment because half of your paycheck's going to go to pay for that car for the next six years. And so um, I just, do I sound like uh, Dave Ramsey with that one? You guys ever listen to Dave Ramsey? Do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and type in Dave Ramsey rant. Because you're stupid. <laughs> you know, I love it. It's hilarious. So anyway, uh, <laughs> but paying down your debt or putting money in savings would be a better investment than we took a trip to invest in fill in the blank. And so those are just some practical things. But remember, it's God's money. He wants us to manage it for him. And there's some really important things I want you guys to get. Verse 17 tells us the man with two bags of silver, what did he do? He went to work, right? The man with two bags of silver went to work. I love it that it didn't say he invested, just like the guy with the, three, with the five bags, right? It said he went to work. And so too many of us, we, uh, we take our greatest source of wealth right now. For most of us, our greatest source of wealth is our paycheck, Right? I mean, that's our, you know, it's our paycheck, and we don't bother to make a plan with our paycheck. And so what do we do? We just pay off our bills, and we buy stuff, and we hope, right? Hope. And uh, hope is just a terrible plan. So <laughs> hope is a beautiful thing, but it's a terrible plan. <laughs> so money is a tool. It's not just money is a tool. It's not just a means of consumption. And so we tend to look at money as it's a means of consumption. I get money. That way I consume things, right? We have to give our money a job. We have to put it to work so that it can do what? What is our money's job? To go out and bring us some more money, right? That's what our money's job is, to go out and bring us some more money. And so we have to have a long-term effect thinking when it comes to the way that we spend money. A lot of us, when it comes to our money, we have really short-term effect thinking. But we have to have long-term effect thinking. And so, um, so we tend to, what we do is we really like, we minimize the effect of our small purchases, don't we? How many of you know people who like will, will run into the 7-Eleven to get an energy drink twice a day and then not have money for more important things? That's short-term effect thinking. That's not long-term effect thinking. We minimize the effect of our small purchases, not realizing that they're having an effect on our financial health tomorrow. That jog in to the gas station a couple times a day, it does matter. It does have an impact, right? That $5 latte will keep you from getting out of debt faster. So, wow, so quiet. Everybody's like, shut up. <laughs> you suck. I'm out of here. I'm going to VCD. Um, <laughs> but it will keep you from paying off that debt faster. Start thinking long-term with God's money. So when you, when you say, I'm going to buy this thing, oh, it's only this much, and we minimize the effect it's going to happen, have on our finances, just stop. Just stop right there and go, what about the long-term effect? What about the cumulative effect? Okay? 
And so start long-term thinking with God's money. Like I said, hope is a beautiful thing, but it's a horrible plan. I love hope. Hope is wonderful. Hope is a gift from God, but it's a terrible plan. It's a t- <laughs> it's a terrible plan, okay? If your plan is just to try to exercise some willpower and hope that your financial future will be bright one day, then you're the third servant, right? Okay? And... and, and what you already have is just halfway out the door. It, it's, it's, it's funny because, like, what, is, what does the Bible call that servant who didn't have a plan? Call them lazy and wicked, right? I don't want to be lazy. It takes intention. You know what? If all, of, if all of us lost our paychecks tomorrow, we'd be in trouble. Money is an important thing. Money is very important. It's funny, if you've ever seen that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, which is an excellent movie with Will Smith, um, what did he say when he sold that little machine and made an extra couple hundred bucks? Two days. That's two days of air for me, right? That's how important that was to him. Two days of air. And so uh, why not take one of the most important things in your life and have a plan and sit down and Make a budget and have a plan and don't just hope. Don't just play your finances by ear. So if your plan is just to try to exercise self-control and just hope, uh, it's, uh, your money's already gone. You've already lost. And so dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper into a godly mindset concerning your money. So here's a couple things uh, is this. First thing is believe that God wants you to be blessed. Believe that God wants you to be blessed. Okay? God is not trying to just keep you scraping by. God, God is not like, hey, I just, you know what? I'm just going to keep you guys scraping by to keep you humble. Because, you know, just scrape by. That's the godly thing. He's our father. What a, what a horrible picture of a father. Right? Is that, how you, is that what you guys want for your children? Just scrape by, kids. Right? God's a good father. And, 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 you know, Jesus even said, who among you, if your child asks you for bread, you're going to give him a stone. And so God is our father, and he wants us to be blessed. Does he want you to be a billionaire? I don't know. Just if you do become one, please tithe. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't want you to be poor. He doesn't want you to be poor. Okay? We, you know, we can't help to meet the needs of others if we ourselves are just barely getting by, all right? I want to be blessed. I want to make more money. I want to increase my tithe by another percentage every year. I want to, you know, give more to Royal Family Kids Camp. I want to help others in need, you know, and, uh, and I can't do that barely getting by. I can't do that with just this poor scarcity mindset. And so um, God doesn't, God wants you to be blessed, And the second thing is this. This is so important. Please remember this today. It's that every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Um, Right? Because Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart is. In other words, there's no greater indication of the condition of your heart than how you spend your money. That's huge. And so uh, nothing reveals more about our priorities, nothing reveals more about our convictions or our relationships or our use of time than our spending. Our spending is the indicator. It's the gauge of where our heart is, okay, and, um, and our time. And so uh, 
the real indicator of where our heart is is just our mind. So every decision is a, is a spiritual decision, and they should be carefully considered. We shouldn't be flipping about how we spend our money. You know, it's so funny. We, we have this picture in our mind of people with prosperity making it rain. You know, it's like, or, or we see people, if you ever like, have you ever seen, like, read about somebody or there's a story or a YouTube video out or whatever, and, you know, some crazy rich person has spent $50,000 for a diamond-encrusted iPhone case, and you went, and you just got sick by seeing that? You were, like, sickened? You were, like, how many poor people could have been fed with that? How many, how many, how many, like, whoa, right? and we're indignant, but we're such hypocrites because we don't give to those in need, but we'll spend $40 a week at Starbucks. Oh, that's not so funny, is it? <laughs> right? Okay? But it's such an indication of where our hearts are. I'm not, I'm not saying don't be blessed, don't bless yourself, don't get a hot tub, put it in your backyard because I'll come over, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying every decision is a spiritual decision. Every decision we make is a spiritual decision. It should be weighed that way. It should be weighed that way. And so, uh, again, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying today with, you know, oh, Lee just wants us to go around wearing sackcloth and goodwill clothes and never buy anything nice for us. That's not what I'm saying. Love the goodwill. We got a Salvation Army right down the street somewhere around here. And uh, it's wonderful. But... What I am saying is there a spiritual decision, and we shouldn't be flipping about the way we spend our money. We should prayerfully consider how we spend our money. And so the third thing is this. The amount is not important. The amount is not important. Okay? So what does that mean? A lot of times when we hear something like this, we hear about investing, we hear about savings, we hear about, uh, you know, taking that. A lot of times we'll go, listen, wait, I only make 15000 a year. I'm exempt from this, right? No. No. The, guy, the one guy only got one bag of silver compared to the other ones. The amount is not important. If you're faithful with little things, you'll be made ruler over much. So a lot of times when we hear some, you know, we make ourselves exempt from all this when we don't make much money. But whether you have $5 or $5,000, it's still God's and should be allocated using God's principles. All right? And so uh, you, we, we talk about tithing. And sometimes people will say, well, I just don't make much money. The, the, the truth is this. If, if you can't give $1 when you have $10, you're not going to give $1,000 when you have $10,000. So, I mean, that's just kind of the truth of the matter. The, the, the amount doesn't matter. It's whether if you're faithful with $1 or if you're faithful with $2 or $20,000. And so the thing is this is, is I've known a lot of people over the years made a lot of friends. I have over a thousand Facebook friends. You're welcome. Um, but <laughs> I've known a lot of people over the years, and without exception, everyone that I know who exempts themselves, who says, you don't understand, I only make this much money. Everyone that I know who says, I, I only make this one, I'm exempt from that. Anyone who exempts themselves from God's way of handling God's money just never seem to get out of that state of barely getting by. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like chronic for them. It just, they just are never able to get out of it. And you just, you ever know people and you just want to shake them and go, just try it. Just try it. 
just do, just do it God's way and see what happens, right? Um, I, I know, I remember a few years ago, we did a thing here where we said, just try tithing for six months. And if you don't experience God's blessing, we'll give you your money back. And we didn't have anybody ask for their money back. And there's been churches of thousands that have done the same thing. And no one has ever gone and asked for their money back. Vineyard Davenport, 500 people, they did the same thing just recently. And no one asked for their money back. It's because when we begin to do things God's way, guess what happens? He can be trusted. He can be trusted. I've never seen God go, psych. You're not mad at me. I'm just playing with you. You know, it's just, it, God is faithful. And so uh, in Matthew, the servants who were faithful were given more. And the servant who made excuses lost what little he had. Just be faithful with whatever you have. Just be faithful with whatever you have. Save a little, invest a little, put those dollars to work, right? Don't spend foolishly. You get that spending under control. Wendy and I are doing a thing this year uh, for 12 months. So for 2020, we're on a spending fast. We were just going, you know, it, unless we need it, like, uh, like the car breaks down and we get car repairs or we have to eat, right? And we still buy vitamins, which pretty much should take vitamins, right? Uh, and I still pay my gym membership. But unless, you know, it's like that, we're just not buying it. So for a whole year, which sometimes gets hard. I actually, like, screwed up once because it was such a habit to spend. Like, in January, my son and I were talking about a movie he wanted to see, and I went, hey, you know what? Let's see how much it is on Amazon. Five bucks? Bye. Oh! (laughs) That was my one screw-up this year. But that's how uh, conditioned, you know, I've become just to buy or spend without thinking a whole lot. I get lots of advertisement emails, and they're just delicious. They're just, they're just like, and, and now that like I'm on a spending fast, they're even more delicious. I'm like, but it's like 30% off, end of the season seal, come on, sale, you know, come on. You know, and I just got to delete, 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 delete without reading them. And so the other day, Wendy was sitting next to me while I was going through and deleting those emails, you know, that I was getting sales from my favorite online stores, you know, coming through. And she's just like, why don't, why don't, why are you even looking at them? You're just torturing yourself. I'm like, you're right. Delete, 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 delete. Um, but the cool thing about it is once you kind of remove that uh, discretionary spending thing out of your life for a few months, it's almost like you sort of retrain your brain and you kind of detox and you're able to just to say no and go, let's just be faithful. You know, now we can put a little more in savings. Now we can kind of keep, keep sucking it away and we can put that in our investment account. I mean, right, right now stocks are dirt cheap because of the coronavirus. Thank you, coronavirus, for making investing easier. You know, you just, you just, what's that? And the media, yes. Thank you, because, man, socks right now, ETFs are like dirt cheap. Buy a few shares, you know, watch them go up over the next six months uh, until the next scare comes along, you know. But the point is, is just be faithful with what you have. Every decision is, every financial decision is a spiritual decision. So just be faithful with what you have. Even if you have nothing, even if you have very little. And so I want to close this morning, and all I'm going to do is, is just ask you a question. And that's this. This is an important question. And hopefully this question will kind of put you on the right track over the next couple of weeks as, as we talk about some really cool ways to uh, just make a plan to uh, make our money work. And so um, the question is this. Has my attitude about money 
led me closer to financial freedom or closer to financial frustration? Right? Has my attitude, has my mindset about money led me closer to financial freedom or financial frustration? And so here's a hint. If you've been stuck in a cycle of lack for a long time, it's probably time to change your mindset. It's probably time to change your mindset. Um, and I, if we get this part right, if we get the mindset part right, you will see an increase in your finances. You will see a greater sense of stability in your finances. You will see, uh, you will see better days, okay? And so I, just, I think that might be on your bulletin notes, that question. But, you know, take a minute to answer that question before you leave today. You just, you know, take just, just honest inventory. Remember the questions I asked in the beginning. Does that sound like you in any way? Then ask God to help you to have his mindset. His mindset. It's all his money. And it's just our job to, uh, to take care of it for him. Okay? And every financial decision is a spiritual decision. So let's go ahead and uh, let's pray. And so the worship team, you can come back. Uh, that's fine. But our prayer team is going to be in the front and in the back. And if you need prayer for your finances, maybe it's your financial mindset. Maybe you're just in a real financial uh, uh, bad way right now and you just need prayer. They would love to pray for you because God cares about your finances. Okay? And so why don't you guys stand up with me and let's pray. And we'll worship for just a little bit more, and then we'll head out. And then all of you will go home and make a plan. All of you will go home, and you'll have a budget. And next week, you'll come back, and you'll just tell me how your whole lives were transformed. The end. So let's pray. God, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you, God, that you did not um, leave us uninformed about uh, such an important area. God, I, I pray that you would help us to be people who handle our finances in a way that just makes you so happy, that brings glory and honor to you. God, that we would be like that first servant. Lord, that um, puts our money to work, to go out and get more money. God, that invested wisely. And that we would be like that second uh, servant who went to work. God, that we would go to work, that we would have a plan, that we wouldn't just hope, God, that things got better if we kind of white-knuckle through it. God, because we want uh, our hearts to be in the right place. God, our finances are a, a heart issue, and so God, help us to manage them well. Lord, I pray for every person this morning who is going through a financial struggle uh, between jobs or, um, Lord, just in, in lack. I pray, Lord, that you give them provision and wisdom. God, that even with what little they have, even with the dollar that they have, God, that you would help them to make a plan. God, you are worthy of all praise and all honor. In Jesus' name.